and welcome to the Virtually Confident podcast, where you take away tips on how to be more confident, how to combat imposter syndrome. Today, with my excellent guest, we're going to be talking about how to avoid being the capable girl and saying yes to everything. And what about perfectionism? Are you a recovering perfectionist? And then we're going to be finding out why you should be striving to be good enough. Do you self-promote? Find out on today's episode with my fantastic guests. I am really excited because I've got three guests today. Not one guest, three amazing women. And the reason why I invited us all is because we once sat at Shoreditch House in London. It sounds very la-di-da, doesn't it? We sat at Shoreditch House in London and we sat talking about confidence, imposter syndrome, women. Why don't women go for jobs? And so I thought, let's recreate that conversation maybe without the bubbly. So let me introduce my amazing panel today. Pam Jones, consultant. Hello, Pam. How are you? Hello, Esther. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Great. And next to Pam on screen, I can see you on the screen, joining us live is Georgie Dickens. And she is an Uber coach who coaches people from all over the world. Um, I know that you're both um, from the banking industry as well. Hello, Georgie. Hello, everyone. Uh, Delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Esther. And, and here in the studio, live with me, I mean, I'm saying live, this is actually a podcast, so it's not live, but live right now while we're recording is Maria Alders, who's a headhunter, been in the industry and recruitment industry for 20 years and specialising in financial markets. Maria Alders, how are you? I'm very delighted to be here. Thank you for having me, Esther. Lovely to see our ladies on the screen. And yeah, my first trip into London um, on this lockdown. So uh, thanks for having me. Lovely to see you all. And sorry, we're not sipping champagne on a rooftop somewhere. We (laughs) are, but that's when we first had this conversation. So today we are covering all of the things that we really want to get our teeth into. But as we're recording this now, now... COVID-19 might be a distant memory while you're listening to this now, but for us, it's still quite raw. (laughs) And we've been working in the virtual world. So we're going to just remember some of the highs and lows of Zoom, Teams, WebEx, Citrix systems, you name it. We've been virtual. We've been twiddling those knobs and buttons. So let's, let's start with how confident we've, we've been and how good we are. How, how, how have we become, how competent and confident have we become at working virtually? So I'll start with you, Georgie. How confident are you in this virtual world? You know what? Now I think I'm pretty good. And, but what I'd say is at the beginning, I, I've, I've used Zoom before, I've used Teams, I've used Skype, I've used Blue Jeans, and we were all thrown in at the deep end and all navigating the complexities of virtual learning and virtual working together. And, um, and I think as long as you, I think back at the beginning, there were lots of mistakes. Had I looked back now, I was using air fillers, I looked like I was in witness protection with my lighting. My sound quality was in and out. Yet you learn, don't you? You learn by asking others who experience you. You know, I asked my clients at the end of a coaching session, how was that? What was the sound quality like? That was at the beginning. And by them sharing and disclosing, it allowed me to finesse and fine tune how I showed up virtually and integrate my lessons and learnings. Uh, So at the beginning, probably a four out of 10. And yes, (laughs) progression since then. Absolutely. I remember when I first had to do a a session about virtual learning and about being virtual, and I was virtual. And even though I've done webinars in the past, I was 
sick. I literally had to go to the toilet. <laughs> it was awful. And there's, there's something about the technology. That just the Even today, we we're tr- trying to tune in and download some software because you can't access a link. You know, it's really, when you're live, that's when it really, really gets you and your confidence levels just go... Ugh, you're shooting down to the floor. Pam, how, how have you been getting on? Oh, um, oh goodness, for me, a bit like Georgie at first, it was a real learning experience. I'm quite an energetic person and I've had to sort of almost tone it back a little bit for the screen because um, you also realise you get really present to how people are and how their personalities come across uh, via Zoom or Teams. And you also get used to the people who actually don't say anything and people who kind of withdraw a bit. So they'll turn their cameras off. They won't want to engage. And then suddenly you'll get people who were you were in a team with that never said anything before that are speaking up more than ever. So it's been a real kind of cross-section, a real <laughs> mismatch of, of, of people showing up in, in different ways on screen. Um, but for me personally, I, I'm still going to be myself, but I'm just really present around uh, looking and observing everybody else. I think that's been the biggest learning for me. I think also it does depend on your personality type and what what shows up on that little square. I mean, now we can we can so it's a level playing field in a way. We've all got this little square and we can turn up and we can speak or not speak. We can be a mushroom, you know, yeah. as in you know in the shadows and we don't put yeah. our cameras on, or we could be a host. Yeah. And actually, it doesn't matter if you're introvert or extrovert, or you really can show up and do a really good job of it because you've got that presence the same as everyone else. Mm. Um, but I must say I really, really struggled at the beginning and people, even though my background is television and radio, people think that I was born to be on television, I was born to be on screen. Let me tell you, I seriously was not. <laughs> and, I, and I too hate watching myself back and some mm. people refuse to watch themselves themselves back I still can't bear it so if you if you don't like watching yourself back you're not weird it's normal yeah, yeah. and Maria how about you Maria you you took to it like a duck to water well you know me I'm very resourceful <laughs> um, so I very quickly I, I'm you know I'm, I'm a bit like a mother hen so I quickly huddled group of certain women and all these support whatsapp groups group, grouped my team and said right we're having regular zoom meetings had a global call, and there's 250 of us, right? We're going to have regular um, meetings. We need to do it on, an, on a platform. I think Zoom's the best one at the moment. IT, within a week, that's it, we'd, we'd manage that. And I made a point of asking people to show up and switch their cameras on. But, of mm. course, a lot of people even now are still so camera shy. And, um, you know, I don't have any problem talking, as you know. So I've had to learn to step back from some of the group conversations and allow others in. But what I did find is people don't like being put on the spot. Mm. Um, They also, I think, having an agenda, um, I've learned, and I still attend so many meetings that there is no agenda. So when you open up a room and say, you talk about a topic or you're asking people if they've got something they want support with, anyone else having problems with this, any tips, you know, Questions, 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 and people just sit there looking at the screen, and I'm sitting there with thirty faces, and I'll scroll through, and they're just looking. Like, Anyone? Anyone? And it's those awkward silences that still, like almost a year in, absolutely amaze me. And I wish people would be more brave, and that's why they need to have support and mentoring and amazing coaches like Georgie. Um, and I think that's gonna. This is gonna be a big part of our lives. I think for a long time. 
Absolutely. So, yeah, I'd like people to have more confidence, but it's been fun. You know, you know, I adjusted to it quickly. Like Pam says, you know, I gesticulate a lot and I've noticed that. The only Zoom fatigue I have is looking at my own face. It's very <laughs> hard to not focus on yourself. Okay. Let's just quickly go around. Georgie, yeah, do you watch yourself back? Georgie, uh, how much do you love your own face? No, I detest it. <laughs> however, however, I um, I think with all these things to grow, it's about, you know, I... I, I you know, film myself to be like, how are people experiencing me? What are my air filler words? Do I have presence? Do I look into the camera? What's my body language doing? And it's highly uncomfortable. However, to learn and grow, it's like you gotta you gotta go into that highly discomfort uh, place to stretch and you know improve. Although I've got to say, watching yourself back, remember you are not really the audience because you're a judge. You judge yourself. You judge yourself. Judge I've got really. I've got a good tip, though. If you want to watch yourself back, right, if you want to improve immediately, do what Georgie does, you record yourself and watch yourself back, okay? Really good tip. Watch yourself back three times. First time, hate yourself and throw things at the screen and say, you're awful, I hate your hair, your clothes, your voice, you talk rubbish, right? Just hate yourself. Second time, do be a little bit more analytical and think, right, what am I actually saying? Pick it apart a little bit and, and think, well, what could I do better next time? And then the third time, get yourself a cup of tea or a glass of wine or some brandy and sit there and actually be a TV viewer and watch yourself as if you are somebody else. So it's a bit schizo. But, you know, it's actually a really good exercise to do that rather than just do that painful, self-critical, yeah. <laughs> analytical yeah. judge. Um, Pam, how, how, how do you find yourself? <laughs> do you know what? It's really funny. Um, I work with my sister um, in the consultancy and she's really helped me a lot because she, she sort of suggested that I do this mirror work. And at first I thought, what is she talking about? And she would say, we're going to go through the presentations or we're going to go through a certain piece of work and we'll do mirror work and you do it in the mirror and you uh you concentrate on your tone you concentrate on the the words you're saying you concentrate on your body language and you're doing all of this in the mirror and she says you do that a couple of times before you actually execute whether that's going to be a webinar or a huge meeting or something like that she says and that really prepares you so I've been doing that to be honest and it's worked wonders and it's also helped my nerves because I I would get myself quite um, nervous before a big meeting on Zoom or Teams because you so want to do well and so it would help me with my nerves and sort of say to yourself, I've got this, it's okay, it's going to go well. And even when technical difficulties happen, and we know what that's like, right, there's always going to be tech that goes wrong. We've done this work now where we kind of glide through it. We go, oh, well, that hasn't quite happened, has it? And, you know, you do this whole voice with the voice is really important because the voice is calming you down. Um, so and, and actually helps you navigate those really tricky spaces. So it's been really good really good I love that mirror work I, th- I think I've done that I used to do that when I was a kid you know with my brush my hairbrush pretending that I was on <laughs> X Factor that's quite recent isn't it <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> Can I pick up on what Pam was, uh, Pam's point there? Because I think the preparation and rehearsal here is key. You know, if we think of any, like if we think of a tennis player, Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer or Andy Murray, 
they don't go on to a, a, a court for a competitive match without first of all going on the practice court where they'll finesse their backhand, they'll warm up, you know, they'll warm up. And, and, and that's, the, you know, we have to be highly intentional and deliberate about how we want to be received. You know, what are the key messages we want to get across? What's our value add? So I think that rehearsal and that preparation time, that mirror work uh, pan that you're talking about, that for me is, is essential and critical in order to show up as your best and most powerful self. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it's excellent. I mean, any anything that gets you, because when you said about the, the, the talk, it's the self-talk, it's also physical, you're physically doing something. Whether it's a mirror or it's some sort of meditation, some sort of singing, breathing exercise, you're absolutely right. You need to be up for it. Whatever gets you up for it, right, that could could literally be anything. But but mirror work for you, <laughs> I'm going to try it now. Um, but you know, anything that gets you in the right mood is a really, really, really good practice and because you want to be ready and you want to be the best you want to turn up and be warmed up but what i'm really what i'd like to pick up um that thank you very much georgie for for, for comparing us to athletes <laughs> yes, we all feel like that don't we um georgie, and maria, what that, I'd like to, yeah um, maria i know that you were saying earlier you know i you know i've got a lot to say and people think that you're incredibly confident um and i and i know because i know you as a person and, and you're brilliant at selling other people and getting people jobs you've been in recruitment for more than 20 years and you know you work with leaders and you're really keen to push w- more women in leadership roles which we'll talk about in a moment but you don't always feel that confidence. So now let's move on to, to how we actually, you know, when we might have, lo- when we lost, when we lose our confidence or when we might have lost our confidence. Uh, and throughout my life, I've lost my confidence many times and I doubt myself frequently and I, and I still do. And and I've been running my business now for, you know, I left the BBC in the two thousand um, in 2012 and, and I'm, and I'm, and I've set my own business up and, and, and I, people think that I'm really confident. I've got a book out. By the way, we'll plug all of our books in a moment. Georgie's got a book coming out. Yay! Yay! I, I never would have thought I would have won an award for a book ever in my life. Yeah, yeah. The short, the highly commended short business book of the year with lots of pictures. <laughs> right? But I, I still don't feel confident all the time. I struggle with confidence a lot. Um, and I've learnt various strategies and coping mechanisms but um maria you do feel confident (laughs) most of the time well people who know me laugh when i say i don't feel very confident about something and georgie's been at the receiving end of phone calls before going oh my god i've been put my name down for something and i'm actually on a panel and i thought i was a guest and things like what are you talking about you're fine you know what you're saying you know this and i'm going do i um so i do you know i'm going to jump straight to the old imposter syndrome (laughs) yes um and and I would say something that I've done in during the last year in this pandemic is a lot of self-improvement. Um, and I'm part of this amazing group called Shelf Help, and it's a book club, and it's all, for, it's all about books for self-improvement. I don't like the word self-help. It sounds too needy. Um, it's been amazing. <laughs> and part of that, and, in, and a lot of the books and the authors we read have covered the imposter syndrome and people, and a lot of that is so many men and women doubt themselves, right? This isn't even a female thing. A lot of people doubt themselves. And I think... I've learned to realise as a middleman, I'm not going to be an expert on a lot of the products that I cover, and I've learned to accept that because I always thought, I need to be an expert, I need to know this, I need to look clever, I need to look smart. And I have these internal dialogue all the time, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to that in their own situation. I've learned to be my authentic self, something, thank you, Georgie. Um, and, 
and not doubt myself as much as I used to. Obviously, research before, read more. But I think I just try and bring my authentic self to it, be honest about what I do know, ask questions about what I don't. And those tools help me get over that imposter syndrome. And they're advice that I give to other people for that as well. But it's, you know, this isn't a female weakness. It's just a human nature thing I've discovered from this book club, right? It's, it's men and women in there. And it's a conversation that's come up a lot, that imposter syndrome. Uh, and it's human nature to have that self-doubt, I think, which is a real shame. <laughs> yeah, so keep working on it, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, you, you come across as really confident. So have you, have you, what's your main tip for overcoming your lack of inner confidence? Wing it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're we're, we're going to come back to that. Yeah. Wait, wait, on, on that on that bombshell, Maria, um, Pam, confidence, you, you come across, you're tall. I mean, you, you um, Pam is statuesque. I think you'd call her statuesque. Thank you. Bodicea, you're like an Amazonian warrior. I mean, Thank that day you. when we sat in Shoreditch House, when we stood up, literally, I come up to your knees. <laughs> I'm five foot one and you're about six foot beautiful you, know, you you literally own the room when you glide in and She's you come a goddess. you're a goddess word. you She's are Thank i am you. in awe of you <laughs> i am Both, in awe um, of mentally all and you physically um, i just i think i just want to pick up a couple of things on what maria said um, so there's a couple of things so the first thing is that maria is absolutely right this is a human condition right to feel you know, not confident in certain situations. My concern, though, around imposter syndrome, especially when women use it, is that it's now become, we don't want this become to become like a symptom or a concern because I think it's really important for us as women in the world that we make sure that we leave a legacy for other women. And what we don't want to do is constantly draw on it and keep it in the ether. Because if you were, we, we, we don't want to leave that legacy for, the, for, those, for those women. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because of a lot of the panels I've been to, a lot of the talks I've been to, women have really embraced this much more so than men. And I'm not sure that's healthy for us as women to constantly be, I'm an imposter, I'm an imposter. No, you're not. You're doing a fantastic job. You've, you've made strides. You're very successful. Yes, the human condition allows us to go in and out. Of course, I've been at the end of the phone with Georgie going, Georgie, what am I doing? And that's fine. But I don't <laughs> think, I don't think we should, we should, continue naming it as though it's something bad but also that it's something more geared to women because I don't think and I know I'm being controversial but I don't think that helps us you know we're at the table we should be at the table we've worked hard Esther a lot of us in this industry financial services coaching whatever sector we know this from our own personal um, uh, social identities and politics, how hard we have had to work to just get next to our, our peers who happen to be male. So I do think we've got to be careful when we're holding that imposter syndrome. And I know I've kind of turned this on its head, but I, I want us to debate it. I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's a relatively new conversation in terms of being totally open and, and honest about it. And when, when I was running a session at a, a global a global um, 
a professional services firm, and it was for it was the launch of a women in leadership program. And I remember the the main woman, the very senior woman, did the talk, and she said, "Women don't need to be fixed," you know. And she was saying, yes. we, "We we don't want to label ourselves and all that stuff." And then she left the room, and I said, and then after the door was shut, I looked at the audience. I went, um, "But somebody mentioned." Um, confidence earlier did you want to talk about um lack of confidence i mean who feels that they lack confidence and literally the whole the whole auditorium went for that because yeah. <laughs> everyone wanted to talk about it they wanted to they did want to name it but they wanted mm-hmm. to name it when they weren't going to get told off <laughs> for saying it <laughs> if, if I could, just to say there as well Wester, and i don't like that when people think they want to be fixed i don't yes. like that term at yeah, all and, yeah and i just go back to we just need to improve our skills learn new skills learn new techniques yes um and yeah this being fixed thing i don't like that i don't like i don't that like it. that's why i said i don't like the self-help thing it's like self-improvement i think we just all want to constantly strive to be our best selves I think shelf help is quite good. You can just blame it on the shelves and the rough books. But what I do really like is is us talking about it. I think what I'm... In fact, Maria, when I first met you, you were one of the first women leaders that I spoke to that that was completely open and honest and talking about... Why aren't women putting themselves forward? Which we're going to move on to in a moment after I've after I've got a little comment from Georgie, our Uber coach. Um, you work with leaders all over the world, and you've you left a, a safe job in the financial world. Um, and you know, imposter syndrome. Where where do you sit when it comes to the debate? How long have we got, Esther? Um, exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forty five seconds, please. <laughs> the topic that I'm deeply passionate about, and I think if you have a heartbeat, you will experience that crisis of confidence at some point in your career. And the the imposter, though, and I call her Judgy Janet. A friend of mine refers to her as Judgy <laughs> Janet, and I'm like, I'm having that. So Judgy Janet, when she's talking to me, she's there to serve me. So let's say I'm going on stage and I'm about to present. Judgy Janet is like, don't go out, you'll look a fool. Don't go out, people will, you know, question your value. Judgy Janet is there to serve me because she doesn't want to make me look a fool. However, she's an uninvited house guest living rent free. Yes. And therefore I acknowledge (laughs) her. So it's like she can be on my bus, but she is not driving my bus. And so I, I, rather than let Judgy Janet be a dictator, I delegate her. I acknowledge what she's saying. I acknowledge how she's trying to serve me. And I choose to acknowledge and move on. And um, my experience with imposter syndrome is something I've experienced personally. And any extraordinary leader, CEO that I've worked with, they've all experienced that crisis of confidence. It evolves with us. It evolves with us. So therefore, it's about understanding it and how, and, and Maria used the word techniques. It's the techniques not to step into that negative spiral. There's a choice here in terms of how, when it when it shows up, how we manage it. I love that. And, and I had a I had a, somebody called Cecil, who was my voice of doubt that used to sit on my shoulder. So we've got Judgy Janet and we've got Cecil, the voice of doubt. And the voice of doubt is, that's I think that's it's the same thing. Where you, it's easier to name it, actually, isn't it? It's, it's a really good yeah, strategy. Def- that's great. Okay. Georgie, so, can I... So can if I, you're sorry. listening to this... Sorry, Esther. Georgie, can I just pick up on something you said? I love the fact you call it an uninvited guest because it is the little person sitting on your shoulder and it is uninvited. Yeah. But I do think you're right around how that, how that guest can also help you and steer you. But also you can say, okay, go away now. 
go away now, I've got this. Um, and, and, and I love the way you talked about everybody with a heartbeat has it. I think my concern was that we don't, <laughs> we don't continue to lab- label it in a negative way for the next generation of women. And I found that in my experience, this was only talked about in women's arenas. And I, and, and I wasn't, sh- I didn't feel comfortable mm. with that. I was like, hold on, is this now a woman thing? So it was, it was that for me that I wanted us to kind of critique. And 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 I love the way Georgie has just said, you know, everyone with a heartbeat, which kind of kills that one. <laughs> I was on a radio show, and I think it was Bob Mills who was the the host, and he was saying, "What is this imposter syndrome?" Because it was in the news that day when we did this the show, and I said, "Imposter syndrome," and he said, "What what is it? I don't know what you're talking about." And I said, "Imposter syndrome." You know, it's when you you're waiting for somebody to come up to you and tap you on the shoulder and say, "You're not good enough." Yeah. And Bob Mills looked at me and went. What? That's just life, isn't it? That's just life. <laughs> can I can I pick up here because there's a model I use with with my clients, and it's about if we're internally referenced or externally referenced. Because somebody, a client of mine, recently said, I'm, "I'm I'm trying to find my confidence," and I'm like, "Confidence isn't to be found; it comes from within." So it's like, are we internally referenced, acknowledging our own accomplishments, celebrating our own successes, because the antidote to self-doubt is self-compassion? Or are we looking at validation and recognition from others? And that's driving our bus. So there's, there's something, we don't search for confidence. This is a place to come from. It's not a place to get to. So this, there is really something here for me about owning, owning our worth, owning our value. That is what will drive the, the, the confidence that, that others experience of us. Totally agree. Well said, Georgie. Excellent. Totally agree. Thank you. Now, and now I want to get onto a, a subject that's close to Maria's heart in particular, which is about the 60% issue, and it comes in various iterations. Now, one of my, one of my mantras is, I'm going to be 80% perfect today because the, 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 the long and the short of it is this. In, you know, in around a boardroom table, a guy, a bloke is more likely to pipe up and say, hey, I think we should, we should change this project if he's only 60% sure or more likely to go for a job. Even if he's not 100%, if he's only 60%, a, a guy is more likely to. I'm not saying that in the, in everyone in the whole world fits into this category, but what I found in my experience when I'm speaking to roomfuls of, uh, you know, auditoriums of people when I ask people how sure do you have to be to pipe up or to go for the job um, and there was various quotes in, in the Harvard Business Review and, and such and Maria you're used to this having been in recruitment for so many years about you know why is it that women want to be 100% um, when, when I'm going to use the word perfect in this in this context because I'm going to ask Pam to talk about her experience of women quite often thinking I've, I'm not I'm not good enough I've got I've got, it's got to be perfect I've got to finish it I've got to know everything I've got to be correct Maria where do you how do you feel about this topic I think it leads on a lot from this confidence and imposter syndrome that I think maybe women carry a little bit heavier than than guys and then there's this science around it as we said in Harvard and McKinsey um, I'm going to say one thing to it and I want I want everyone listening to remember this and stand by it. I mean, I, you know, I'm a headhunter. I have Jedi mind game powers, convincing people to have conversations and convince, helping people to resign. And there's lots of skills with that over 20 years. But there's something very, very simple I often can have my ladies, like my female candidates, go away and think about if they think they're not right for a role. And I think they would be. And I think there's a conversation to have. And I'm trying to help them grow and push their career forward. 
If you look at this job spec and you say to yourself, no, I'm only 60, 70%, I'm not 100%, that job's not for me. Here's a very simple thing I'm going to say. There are 10 men less qualified than you who have all looked at that spec and all put themselves forward without any doubt whatsoever and one of them will probably be hired and less qualified than you. And then will be a silence. And I said, look, what's the worst case that could happen? You have one chat and it isn't right, but you've had the conversation, you put yourself out there, you show up. And... I would say I have a good success rate of getting from my ladies, OK, here's my CV, we'll go forward, and, and then we talk about then what we need to do to prepare for that. But in simple terms, for every job you say no to, because of that, there are 10 men less qualified than you that are very happily putting themselves forward. Please, please remember that. Show up, take a chance, because you never know. In the worst case, you have a chat with someone, you make a connection, and you're not right for the role, OK? Fine. What have we got to lose? Nothing. Absolutely okay. nothing. There's nothing to be lost in a conversation. So what do you think about people waking up and saying, I only need to be 80% perfect today. I'm going to go 80% and I'm just going to go for it. Is that a good... Do you think that's quite a good percentage <laughs> to live by? Well, I think you and I have said we've both been doing that for a long time. Um, <laughs> let's, look, look, you get up and you try and be the best version of yourself every day. That's and right. sometimes that's 80%. Yeah. You know, again, you know... I don't think there's such a thing as perfect. There isn't. Anyway, so I think so you can't and, be and that's, a whole other, that's a whole other podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and a whole other <laughs> deep dive with Georgie, for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but there, there's no such thing as perfect. We get up, we show up, and we try and be our best selves every day, and that's what I live by. Good, excellent. Georgie, 80% perfect? How, how perfect do you, do you try and be each day, or do you have to remind yourself? I strive for good enough, um, and that is a reframe I've had to be highly Ooh. intentional about. Excellence is motivational. Okay, well, let's give a round of applause. Come on. And you know what? I'm an over... What's the word? I'm a recovering perfectionist. Oh, yes. Yes. Something, it's an area... I love helping my female leaders. I I run a female leadership group, and it's all C-suite and MD level um, ladies. There's 15 of them. Two weeks ago, I asked them the question. I said... Show of hands, who is confident promoting themselves? One person put their hand up out of 15. Highly accomplished. And that was the bloke. I know. I thought it stuck in there. They're looking for, for, for perfectionism and, they, and they're not sure how to articulate their, their worth. So excellence motivates, perfectionism is demoralizing. And my question for them would be, what would the impact be if you dialed down the expectations of self by 10%, 15%, because it's still going to be freaking awesome. And yeah, I see a lot of perfectionism. I see a lot of perfectionism. It's something I battle with and I'm highly intentional about striving for good enough. I love that. I'm highly intentional about that. I'm going to, can I, can I steal that phrase, Georgie? I am highly intentional on that because what that means is I know I'm going to revert back sometimes to my perfectionist ways. I watched a program on the All Blacks the other day and it was this amazing program. And the coach at the end, he said, the team are all ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And it's all about the daily disciplines. They don't strive for perfection. They just strive for being the very best they can be. And that, and as long as they're doing all the hard work to get there, that is good enough. And I love that, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that's really, that's something that's really sat with me. And we are all ordinary people doing extraordinary things, yes, aren't we? we? Are. Hundred percent. Isn't there a song about that? <laughs> There's definitely a theme tune like we could be playing at this moment. Pam, eighty percent perfect. 
Oh my goodness, I am so with Georgie on this one. I just strive for good enough. I wrote a, a blog a couple of years back called um, The Capable Girl. And I, I said in this blog, <laughs> are you suffering from capable woman syndrome? And I talked about, you know, you being that woman that takes on your job, Peter's job, a bit of Margaret's job over here. You're the one that's doing the spreadsheet, writing the meeting notes, delegating. And then suddenly you sit there and you realise you're doing 30, 40% more. Uh, your workload's increased more than your peers. And also you sit there and look around while they get promoted and you, d- you don't. Because you've actually taken on way too much. You haven't said the word no. And now you are left thinking, how do I now claw back to get to where I'm supposed to be? And this capable girl syndrome is what I saw in my own life, but also with my friends as well. And that's why I wrote the blog. And I think it's something for us to be really cognizant about. Because what happens, Esther, Georgie and Maria, I call it the compliment of of competence. So you get flattered, right? So people say, oh my God, you're so good. Oh, thank you so much. Can I leave that with you? Or thank you so much. Oh, Pam, thank you so much for that contribution. What would we do without you? And you get, because we're just human beings, right? And we get wrapped up in the complement of competence. And that's what's keeping us going. But also, you sit down. When everybody's gone at 6.30, you're still the one in the office doing everybody's pieces of work. And they are not going to say no. They will happily give you, oh, do you want to do that? Yeah, fine. Because you're constantly trying to prove your worth. And, and I And I felt that for a lot of my career until I had this moment where I said, no, (laughs) I literally went, no, I'm not doing that. And my heart was beating. I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I said, no, I'm not doing that. I don't have the resources. That's not going to happen. Thank you very much. Can we move on? And it was amazing. It was like ground shifting. So I do think there's something about, yeah. And I do think there's something about us as women where we go, hold on, just stop a minute, take a breath, look around you, look at the contribution around you, what's actually happening. Because we are so caught up in getting it right, doing more, being seen to be doing it right, putting our hand up. We're the capable girl. And the capable girl doesn't get the promotions nine times out of ten. The capable girl actually gets left behind. The capable girl is always left unfulfilled. And the capable girl starts to then doubt her capabilities, even though she's doing 50, 60% more than everybody else. And this is the cycle we find ourselves in. So I wrote this blog and I think it's relevant today. I wrote it a couple of years ago, Mm. but it's still relevant. It's very relevant because considering at the moment, one of the big themes is burnout, well-being, we're overworked, our heads are exploding because we're online all day, help! And we're doing, and we're not saying no to things and we're trying to, we're trying to keep up with all this work. Georgie, please um, step in here. Can I, I, because that was really interesting, Pam. And for me, there's two things there. It's about us being very, I'm going to use the word intentional again, intentional about our boundaries, our invisible fences. And it's not about about, you know, it's about, you know, being very intentional about who has accessibility to us. What are we saying yes to? What are we saying no to? What are the consequences of that? What's the ripple of impact? If I say yes now, how is that going to impact me in a week, two weeks, a month? Am I going to be working till 10 p.m.? And 
So it's been having the invisible fences around us. And when you mentioned that, you know, you could be doing 50 or 60% more work, um, I always ask um, when I'm talking about um, self-promotion or promotion to draw, uh, my clients draw an iceberg and we have the visible and the invisible and the visible results are what you're going to get judged on. The visible results are, you know, is, you know, where you'll get identified for stretch opportunities. And my question for my clients is, what are the invisible results and the value that you add that nobody knows about? No one knows you're sitting there till 10 p.m. in the evening working. So we've got to get really, again, intentional about making our invisible results known and our value add and promoting our key messages. Absolutely. So I always say if you get if you get that if you get the totty right, everything else falls into place. And the totty is the tip of the iceberg. The totty. <laughs> yes. The totty, get your totty right, and then the whole yeah. iceberg, then it doesn't matter what's going on under the water, but you've got to get the totty right. Okay. So come on, ladies, get your totty right. Can I just make a special announcement now? We are not against gentlemen. This is not an anti-male exactly. broadcast. This is what what we are trying to do here is help women that are very talented and very capable but help help us to put ourselves forward and to self-promote so which brings me on to tips tips your greatest tips tips so what i'd love is how can we get that capable girl how can we get her promoted how can we get people that are very talented women who are unbelievably excellent that might have a little bit of self-doubt how can we get Women to self-promote. And we've all, we've all been striving for this ourselves. I know all of us have, you know, we've, we've, we've got quite a lot of experience between us. We all know how important it is to promote ourselves. And I definitely felt uncomfortable um, talking about myself and, and doing a bit of self-promotion before. When I was at the BBC, I was, it was completely out of my... I was completely out of my comfort zone when I had to do anything in front of a panel or in the spotlight. I was very comfortable and competent and capable producing shows and making sure everyone else was brilliant. And I would always go the extra mile. And I thought back then, as as somebody who's a full-time member of staff in the management team, I thought that if I worked really, really, really hard and did a really, really, really good job, um, you know, I would get rewarded and promoted. And that's not always the case, as we know. That's the thing. Doing a great (laughs) job and getting credit for it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go around. Let's start with you, Georgie. Let's start with you. What's your big tip when it comes to confidence and self-promotion? Okay, I've got three three tips here. And because it's not about bringing a shrill self-publicist, but let's not be a shrinking violet either. And excessive self-promotion is ugly. It's, it's not particularly nice. But yet if we don't put ourselves forward, we won't, we'll miss out on so many opportunities. So my three tips were first... Can I just really ask, Georgie, what is excessive self-promotion? That's when you're in people's all the time. You're articulating every development, every success. And in a world where people have Zoom fatigue, we're in information overload, you have to make sure that what you're uh, sharing is relevant, is impactful. And so not not overloading people with information. So that would be the sure self-publicist. Uh, my three tips would be, first of all, know yourself, know your value add, know your key messages, know what you're great at, know your uniqueness, your brilliance, your extraordinariness. 
you have to be prepared to rally advocate for yourself. How can you expect others to champion you if you don't know and believe in your own abilities? So the first thing is knowing self. The second thing is know your audience. When you are promoting yourself, who are you talking to? What do they care about? Why should they care? What data, information, evidence, you know, is going to be most interesting for them? Get really clear, you know, put yourself in their shoes, go from the outside in when you're sharing content with them. And the third thing, which we discussed earlier, is rehearse, prepare, be highly intentional and deliberate about the engagement you have with the message and not just the message, but how you show up. You know, if it's in person on your Zoom, how are you dressed? Addressed, you know, how you're dressed is an outward statement of you. If you are showing up in gym kit and this happens all the time, don't judge a book by its cover. People do. Be highly intentional about the message, but also highly intentional about how you show up. So rehearse and practice. Know yourself, know others, uh, or know your audience, sorry, and prepare, 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 and prepare again. Give her a round of applause. Yay. Excellent tip. Brilliant. Pam, Brilliant. what's your, what's your oh big God. tip, Pam? To be honest, I'm not sure I can top Georgie's, but one thing I will say about <laughs> the three key messages that Georgie has said is when she talked about know your strengths, but how you articulate it. So many of us go into too much detail. They, they you know, we haven't had that practice about how you talk, articulate your worth and also what you will add to being in an executive team or what you'll add to being in a high, high performance team. And and the other thing is around your audience. Who are you speaking to? You know, sometimes we articulate uh, to the wrong people. That's not the crowd. That's not the audience. It's really homing in on who is the audience, who's going to have the impact, who's going to have the influence to get you to where you need to be. So there's something around identification for me. Who is the audience that I need to go to? When I'm sitting there at 6.30, no one's seeing, they're all down the pub right? Who am I going to say to, actually, these are the things that I've done. This is the network I've built by doing this extra work. This is how it can help you. This is how it can play into the strategy. All those pieces, you have to be really really clear and identify who you're going to articulate those messages to. That That is your worth and the work that you've produced. So I think everything that Georgie said with a little bit of cream on top. Sounds like you need to be getting down the pub. But also, Pam, can I just add, you need to get a mirror. You need to get a really good mirror and stop doing practicing in the mirror. That's your practice piece. Love it, Pam. Love it. Can can I just build on one of Pam um, Pam's points there? Yes. When you talk about, and this is this is very very true. Ninety nine percent of people, in my experience, I'm not basing this on research. uh, Well, my own research. Yeah. People talk too much, and you lose. So it's like, and I want to know the gold. I want to know the nuggets that I can take away. And when I work with my clients, I describe it as a phone battery. Like if my phone has got 1% left, and let's say, Pam, I'm calling you with 1% left on my phone battery, I have got to be laser focused, scalpel focused in the message and the, the facts that I deliver to you. And it therefore takes away a little bit of the interference and the padding around it to hone in on what are the key messages, what is important. Absolutely. Thank you, 
Georgie and Maria. What's your? I mean, you have been giving, helping people get jobs, and you have to cut to the chase and find out what people's USPs are pretty quickly. But what's what's your big tip for for self promotion? Because you're you're having to promote people on a daily basis. I think a lot of these things we've talked about are definitely linked and I think it's really important to back yourself. Yeah. Right? And it's very hard for people to do that. And a lot of these things are linked and I summarise it in that you should back yourself. But using some of the techniques that, that Georgie and, and Pam were just talking about, like I'd written down with like the tips on, on being present, were show up, speak up and deliver. And show up was the presentation, let people know you're there, put your hand up at the meeting if you're asked to be on the agenda if you're not. Speak up, but do it clearly precise and to the point know what you want to say and who it's aimed at and it's often about the we not the i because often a one woman on a male dominated but not very interested in what you think because it's about an us and a we and that's how you get the attention and that delivery do your research that's so clear and that's the same as when you're promoting yourself and if you go to a um, your appraisal halfway through the year you want to highlight very succinctly using those key points that George said you know I've delivered on this I promote, and it, they might be the things at the bottom of the iceberg that no one's seeing I'm under really, the totty I'm, yeah I really love mm. that analogy I'm going to use that so much yeah. and I'm guilty of that as a lot in my job that I do internally in the company not for others um, with that I, I, I place um, but I'm a waffler I get very passionate about things and I've had some stinkers of Zoom <laughs> meetings and global calls and I look back and I think oh my god because I just felt like I was so passionate about something and I really need to say this and I really need to get my point across and I just did it all wrong I saw the faces on the Zoom I, people wanted to cut me short and I just didn't deliver and I think that articulation is so important being to the point. And one tip I'll give if every and this when we get back into board meetings and when we're sitting on Zooms, if there is an agenda, if there is an article, if it's your turn to speak, have an ally in that room. And they'll be male or female, but have an ally. And I think we've talked about this on events before, and it's someone who amplifies. Yeah. If someone's saying like I've had I've brought up some difficult conversations sometimes in meetings and afterwards someone would message me and go, That was brilliant what you said. Like I totally agree. I'm like, Great, could you speak up on the call next time? So I'm not there on thirty faces on my own and feeling like <laughs> yeah. nobody else cares about what I say and then someone else will message me. If you care about what someone else is saying, male or female, particularly female, but if you care and you support and you back up what someone says, amplify it and just say, actually, if just going back to what Georgie says, like I agree with that, and then mm. add your input, succinct yeah. and to the point. And that can be male or female, but see if there's an ally at that table. See if there's someone you can say, I'm going to bring this up today. I'd really appreciate your support in that because I know we talked about it. It's great because it amplifies it. And I think that's such an important technique that we can all do for each other. So male or female, but have an ally and help them amplify well, thank you so much, Maria. And I've got to say, you have been a real inspiration. All of you, Pam and George, you are such an inspiration. And my biggest tip for us, and um, when you're listening to this, my biggest tip is don't be perfect. Do speak up. Go for it. Don't edit yourself. Don't listen to Judgy Janet or Cecil, the voice of doubt, right? Just Go for it. And Maria's talking about getting an ally. Let's all support each other. Let's amplify each other. And let's say, you know what? Great. I really agree with what you're doing. And Maria, you have been such an inspiration in helping other women and trying to get women promoted into more leadership roles. And, and, and Georgie, thank you so much. And Pam, it's been such a joy speaking to you today. And if you would like to comment, please do comment below or send us an email, esther at estherstanhope.com. And I will pass on your lovely comments to my amazing panel today. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you so much.